Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleashed and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back. We are on our third part, the final part of this three-part little breakdown of the three things that people we see people do commonly that don't actually help them. They actually set themselves up to fail just by buying into this. So, so far, we've talked about the outdated dominance theory and the consequences of that and then broke, down, broke that down. We have talked about language and how the simple use of language where we expect them to obey commands can ultimately set them up to fail. And we've talked about how we would prefer, preferably people were engaging in more of a healthy dialogue with their dogs in this new age. I say new age, it's like, it really should just be common practice. But part three today, we are going to be talking about how the notion that if we drain the dog's energy and get them tired, uh, they'll be good dogs. There'll be fewer behavior concerns. And um, yeah, if a tired dog's a happy dog, if you drain their energy, uh, they'll, be, they'll be easier to deal with, less few, fewer unwanted behaviors. And this kind of sets people up to fail all the time. Um, the reality is that a tired dog is the same as a tired human. And trying to get a tired dog, well, then you'll get a tired dog. It'll be grumpy, it'll be antisocial, it'll be irritable, it'll be stressed, it'll be prone to just being a little bit kind of narky and reactive because it's fucking knackered. So, but, I mean, we could just stop there, can we? And go, don't try and tie your dog out. But that doesn't really solve any problems because, as we know, telling somebody just don't do that doesn't actually teach them what to do instead. Physical exercise is put on this pedestal by people and their dogs. They feel like if, as long as they meet the dog's physical exercise needs, that's, they're covered. Their base is covered. Feed them and exercise them, and that is it. And that is a tiny facet of your dog's overarching enrichment needs. So there are many enrichment needs, and meeting them is the fundamental crux of getting on top of a behaviorally and emotionally sound dog but um <laughs> yeah physical exercise isn't that high on the priority list for, for most dogs and it's all but this narrative has definitely set people up to fail by misidentifying what is driving unwanted behaviors um what we mean by this is if i see a dog come into the situation and he's bouncing around and he can't settle I'm not going to necessarily jump to the conclusion that he's high energy because there's so many other reasons that this could potentially be the case he could be highly stressed he could be agitated and his coping skill or his coping skill might be to pace or 
he might never have practised settling and self-soothing and decompressing and relaxing. And there's a huge difference between the dog at the end of the day that feels content and fulfilled and relaxed and the tired dog. Because on the days where I get home and I'm tired because I've been stressed at work or whatever it might be or maybe I've had a shit interaction with somebody that doesn't quite hit home and feel as good as the days where I get home and I feel really content where my relationships have been sound where I am genuinely happy to see my wife where I've had a really fulfilling day I've um, met probably may may well have met my exercise needs and because what I'm getting at there is it's only those are just a tiny part of it the dog the dog's enrichment needs are what we need to fulfill every day and I think the most important one is the perception of their own safety the it's something that's overlooked we bring our dog into a human world. We know that they're safe. We lock the doors. We close the windows. We would never let anybody hurt them. Um, but that doesn't matter if our dogs don't feel it. They, they don't know that this very human world that they live in necessarily is a safe world. We, we have to come admit and and this is where i'll premise it again with the fact that i work with dogs in an urban environment busy city and so this might not be applicable for every scenario so look if you hear hooves don't think zebras is probably a horse but we live in a very busy environment where there's a lot of unnatural things cars buses bicycles neighbors in close proximity is unnatural for a dog you know this We've got to accept that we live in a human world and not every dog is going to go, oh, this is it, this is a breeze. Um, and so that... The, and the fact is that as soon, as soon as an individual, any species, safety is compromised, nothing else matters. Absolutely nothing else matters. And as soon as their safety is compromised, they're going to feel stressed and concerned and their behaviour may start to... now may start to, well, it will change and it will be about self-preservation. Sometimes that stress will get identified very easily by the reclusive dog, by the dog that suppresses it, hides, withdraws, and we go, oh, yeah, he's stressed, clearly. But the narrative that, because people have popularised exercise is a fundamental base, you know, their primary need, um... When a dog shows stress overtly, so what I mean by that is increase of pacing, whimpering, attention-seeking, barking, uh, other overt, maybe explosive behaviours, too quickly people go, oh, he's just got loads of energy. You, You just need to run him more. You just need to tire him out more, mate, because he's clearly just agitated and bored. Um... But if you do that without really looking at why the behaviour is happening, like, sure, like, we'll hear people say, yeah, it worked for me. Brilliant. But you got lucky, unless you knew what you were really looking at. Because it gets misdiagnosed more often than not. And if you treat stress, fear or anxiety with just exercise, well, that's not going to resolve the, 
mental and emotional health of the dog. The mental and emotional health of the dog are just as important as the physical health. All three of them must be in balance. And you can be physically healthy without going for explosive amounts of exercise. Now, something we'll see time and time again is, and this is particularly true of breeds that have got a stereotype of being high energy. So let's take yeah, working dogs like Border Collies and Kelpies here in Australia. Um, <laughs> but like all kinds of any high energy dogs, your Vizslers, your, your gun dogs and things like that. If we will see people over-exercise them, particularly early on in the young stages. And if the dogs are really struggling mentally and emotionally, I'm gonna to have to get that, one second. Just had to take a little break there, sorry about that. <laughs> if the dogs are struggling mentally and emotionally, uh, that's where we need to concentrate. But those, the, the misdiagnosis of a dog that is agitated, stressed, anxious, right from the very start, that language we use to describe them can set us off in the wrong direction. Because as soon as we go, he's just got loads of energy. You just fan the flames of that anxiety because you start putting them in more situations, uh, potentially ones that they can't cope with, potentially ones that they're fearful of, potentially ones that cause more frustration. And you make, can make the situation worse real fast. Whereas if you go, do you know what? I think this dog is struggling right now, mentally, emotionally. He is stressed. He is anxious. You can take a step back because it's much easier to use language that helps you go, do you know what? He just needs support. He actually is struggling. He's not trying to, you know, you don't have to try and keep up with him. You, you need to just put an arm around him. And this is the direction that I'll lean towards first. If I'm ever, sometimes I walk into a situation as a behavior consultant and go, well, it's obviously this. Whereas sometimes, and I, it's hard to diagnose. And if ever I'm in that situation, I'll always err on the side of, do you know what? It's going to do no harm first. The first thing I'll do is a do no harm approach. Because if the dog is frustrated because he's got high energy, then a couple of, and it doesn't take long for us to figure this out, a few days of carrying on on that same path of going, all right, I'm just going to actually wrap you in a little bit of cotton wool and I'm going to reduce the amount of things that you're exposed to just because there's the high potential of causing anxiety if I continue or increase the amount that I expose you to. Then, yeah, he'll get frustrated and that's not very nice and it's not good, but I can remedy that super fast by learning and pivoting. Whereas on the other foot, if the shoe's on the other foot and I've got an anxious dog and I treat it with, we're going to increase what we expose you to, then um, uh, then I've got the high, a really high chance and potential of actually making this dog far more anxious and anxiety is harder to recover harder to recover from than frustration typically not every time but typically so if i'm ever confused where the behavior is coming from i do go do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna address this like uh, an anxiety or fear case so that i don't fan the flames of that one because that's got more potential of really burning the house down um but it takes critical thought 
to really go, okay, well, what does this dog need in this moment? Do they, is their perception of their safety compromised? Because if it is, nothing else matters. There are cases as well where their frustration or their anxiety might fuel the other. But I would still lead with anxiety first because of what we just talked about for the same reason. The dogs that get over-exercised from a young age be purely because people go, right, let's take a cattle dog. You've got a cattle dog, mate. You need to run that thing every day. You need to make sure that you run him into the ground, otherwise you're going to have an absolute menace on your hands. And it can scare the crap out of people. That thought alone, God, if I don't run this dog enough. But if you create an athlete that eventually you can't keep up with, you're going to have a whole different problem and potentially the same problems that you were trying to avoid in the first place. Because high-intensity adrenal state every single day is not healthy. And what we see time and time again is these dogs hitting, the dogs that get exhausted, the high adrenaline activity every single day or for prolonged periods of time, we see adrenal fatigue kick in at that sometimes as early as 10 months, but often around as 18 months. And adrenal fatigue can, again, get misdiagnosed with the wrong breeds or with the wrong take and go, oh, look at that, he's stressed again. So that we start seeing an increase in the agitation, the pacing, the barking, and all of these things. And again, with the wrong perspective, we can misdiagnose and then mistreat. So over-exercise is really unhealthy. And exercise is a need of our dogs, but some dogs just need to be able to move around, sniffing grass and gentle walks, whereas some do have physical, high physical needs, but that doesn't necessarily mean high adrenaline needs. And that's an important distinction because over-exercise means over-arousal and over-stimulation, which can lead to adrenal fatigue. And adrenal fatigue will lead, will lead to stress and the dogs respond to stress exactly the same way as you and me. Like I said earlier, like a tired dog is a stressed dog and a stressed dog is antisocial, it's irritable, their unwanted behaviours increase. The reality is that it starts to affect all of their ability to self-regulate emotions and everything else uh, that, that goes wrong with stress is in us is the same for dogs. So it's super important that we get this part of it right. Um, really looking at those overarching enrichment needs of the dog and uh, trying to get them right instead of just trying to tire them out. So I hope you enjoyed the today's episode and the previous ones that have outlined the three things that we see people do all of the time uh, that ultimately set them up to fail. And in the coming episodes, we're going to concentrate on two things that you can really do that will change things for the better. And that is concentrating on the things that we actually really would love people to be concentrating on. We kind of touched on uh, communication in the second part. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to do a whole episode on that. Healthy dialogue and communication. We're going to then talk about, and not in, in no particular order, we're also going to talk about enrichment, how to meet your, what are your dog's enrichment needs and how to meet them. And with big one that ultimately we're tr we should be trying to achieve with our dogs and communication and uh, enrichment 
are ways to get this, which is ultimate goal, emotional stability, emotional resilience. Because if we can get an emotionally stable and healthy dog, um, then we don't see half as many behavioral concerns. And so we're going to, yeah, we'll dive into those in the coming weeks. So stay tuned, guys, and uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you again soon. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.